0: Welcome to The Word from the Ancient Path, Stories and Sermons for the Journey. A channel of blessing and encouragement for friends all over the world to hear and experience how God speaks and works through ordinary people with an extraordinary calling. We have stories of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we have the Word of God declared through the pastors and missionaries of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. I'm your guide, Pastor Kevin Job. i very happy to be with you. Our ministry was founded by Pastors Jose Santiago and Yamile Cruz in Joveanos, Cuba, and my wife Tani and I serve as Chief Connection Makers in the United States. Our team of pastors, missionaries, advisors, and kingdom servants is dedicated to planting churches and spreading the reach of the gospel. And so we pray that you are blessed and inspired by these sermons and reflections and the testimony of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Hey friends, welcome to this episode. We're going to start with a little disclaimer. Now with the exception of fussing at myself during a home remodeling project, I typically don't swear. But today's episode was inspired by this kind of word. And it's actually a word that was used by the Apostle Paul and it's in the scripture. Although most of our English translations try to clean it up before you see it. But anyway, if you keep listening, you're gonna hear it. I just wanted you to know ahead of time. So on we go. See, whenever the topic of important, special, unsung heroes of the world arises in conversation, I always think of, and then I typically say it's the garbage man, he or she is one of the single most important people in my life, and actually yours. Think about it for a minute. If no one came each week to pick up your garbage and haul it away, you'd find yourself drowning in the mass of it or suffocating on the stench of all of the waste that we produce through daily living. Recently I was driving past a landfill on the interstate and the prevailing wind was blowing my direction. And even with my car windows all the way up and the air conditioner turned off, the smell was still intense. If I had to sit in my garbage, my life would be a struggle. There is so much spiritual connotation to be mined and considered through simply thinking about how incapable we are of cleaning up our own meth. You know, I often think of that, that image of God's cleansing work. And, you know, when you put it that way, cleansing work, it sounds lofty. as Though a preacher such as myself might put it in a Sunday sermon or some sort of devotional letter to the church, God's cleansing work. But when you say it like that, it doesn't sound or smell very dirty from the start. And the truth be told, like our festering garbage that could pile up around us, We can get pretty stinky on a personal level, too. One of my favorite scriptures on this topic is that amazing scene in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. It it starts out like this in verse 1. It it says, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Have you all ever seen one of those dinner theater plays at church during Holy Week? You know, the the kind where everybody sits across the front and tries to recreate the scene of Jesus at the Passover with his closest friends, as though it actually looked and felt and smelled like Leonardo da Vinci's painting, The Last Supper. I grew up on those things and they gave me the sense that somehow the moment passed without a lot of, well, you know, anything other than some information I needed to know about why this was an important night. But at the same time, as a little kid, I was listening to the Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack and I was hearing the disciples consider their futures as they drank more and more wine and hearing Jesus scream in anguish in Gethsemane and that was confusing to me. And honestly, though, the older I get, the more I ponder the scripture, I really think Andrew Lloyd Webber was closer to reality than was da Vinci. These were not sterile figures seated in strange poses on one side of a Renaissance-era formal dining table. These were real people, most likely sitting on straw mats on the floor and and circled around as, as beloved close friends, enjoying the company of Jesus who loved them more than they knew Now, in the United Methodist Church where I served, only a pastor can serve communion, and as a result, I was often cast as Jesus in these dramas so that he could do the honors. I was miscast, really. Although a bald Jesus is a great idea, I was too old and clearly not holy or clean enough to play the part. When I was part of one of these dramas, I wanted to be sure that the men with whom I was sharing the experience understood something crucial about the moment we were portraying. It was a moment of intimacy. God had come near to humanity and was about to carry our garbage to the cross. And Jesus, being fully God and also mysteriously fully human at the same time, loved these people with the same kind of emotion that you and I have for family and good friends. And he knew he was going to leave them. He knew that he had to Now, no fully human being just floats through a moment like this as though they're part of a painting on a museum wall. So I wrote each of the guys in the drama a letter as their assigned disciple, and I highlighted what the scripture tells us about his personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. The last time that I led the communion remembrance in a local church setting I quietly gave these letters to 12 men in the congregation and I asked them, at turns, to simply read theirs aloud as we went. And with each declaration, the intimacy became more and more intense. And by the time, finally, Judas achingly read his farewell note from Jesus, the room was in tears. A couple of Sundays ago, we had a gifted guest preacher at our church. His name is Justin Swartwout, and it was God's word through him that immediately inspired my sketch for this episode. Honestly, the opening section of what he had to say hit me so hard, and I got so involved in my notes for the podcast that I missed the final 20 minutes of his sermon. He read us that story from John 13 and blew away most of the people when he suggested, as I've always believed, that this was indeed an intimate gathering. I mean, what could be more intimate? The high king, with all the power of heaven at his disposal, strips to his underwear to do the menial work of washing his friend's feet. That's astounding. And Pastor Justin highlighted something that may make us truly uncomfortable to hear. Jesus insisted that Peter could have no part of him, that is to say, could not have relationship with Jesus, unless Peter allowed him to clean out whatever came off the road and his sandals and got wedged between his toes. I immediately thought of the streets of and and many a small farm village in my beloved Cuba, and I know what can get caked onto someone's feet in places where people live close to the earth and to the animals that inhabit it. What the dogs and the horses and the pigs and the chickens and everybody else leaves behind isn't just a lot of mud and sand. Peter's hesitation in the moment has many, many layers, but one I had not recognized until now is this. He and all of the apostles in Jesus' inner circle knew that Jesus was not simply a man. They recognized something remarkable and special in him. Everyone in the room that night knew that Israel's long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world, had just stripped to his underwear to wash their feet. It had to have been incredible to them. And so Peter balked. And then I heard it, almost audibly in my spirit. If you won't let me wash the shit off of you, you will have no part of me. We're going to take a moment now for a short break. Stay with us for more on the Ancient Path. At Ancient Path Ministries, we hope to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed, to see people set free from holds wholesome captive. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ, and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. If you would like to be a covenant financial partner or just simply contribute to the work of the ministry, visit our website at ancientpathministries.org. Check out the church in action and see how you can be a part of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we are back. You know, when I think of the upper room, it's always in capital letters because of that devotional magazine that has the same name. And all my life I'd heard that term spoken of as though an upper room was some sort of holy sanctuary. But it was not some set apart location where only the holy could enter. It was just a room in someone's house upstairs. I imagine the smells that filled that place. The strange mix of food and flesh and pre-mint flavored toothpaste breath and the dust that blew in through open windows and then the remains of the road and the sandals and the feet. And on that night, the room became a holy place, but it was filled with normal unholy people and one incredibly special man who was also God. He was the one on the floor. With a bowl of increasingly murky water wiping filth off the feet of his closest earthly friends, it's a startling image to me. If I don't wash you, you will have no part of me. Now, my son has often threatened to put me in a home when I get too old to care for myself. I tell him, nah, you're going to have to change my diapers like mom and I did yours. Isn't that an ironic thing, that cycle that we're born helpless to clean ourselves and sometimes in old age we can be found in a similar predicament? And spiritually, we never go through a phase where we don't need our garbage taken out or our feet cleaned by the hands of the Savior. And Peter is a great example of this. Now the scripture gives us a great deal more detail about Pete than it does about most of the rest of the crew. And we can see that Jesus was cleaning up around him a lot. Usually because his big mouth, although at times making profound declarations, it would get him into trouble. When Pastor Justin was teaching us that that comment about Jesus cleaning shit off of us, oh, sorry, there it is again, last time, I promise. That wasn't the last profane thought that came to my mind. And and today as I'm writing, I sense this connection to Peter and to me. That's because profanity was a hallmark of Peter's life. He had been a fisherman and in the scene immediately after Jesus washed him, we find him once again wallowing in his own garbage. Jesus is arrested, everyone scatters, but Peter follows at a distance where he can still make eye contact with the Savior. And having just sworn his undying allegiance, he suddenly finds himself unable to acknowledge Jesus. He's questioned once and he denies their friendship. And the second time, he starts calling down curses on himself. That is to say that much like me, in the heat of a home improvement project, Peter's profane mouth and whatever motivates it comes to the surface. He's cussing at himself. And the third denial leaves him in a heap, weeping bitterly at what he's just done. Now I make a habit of looking for the gospel at work in the seemingly most unlikely of places. I mean, that is the whole point, isn't it? Jesus was always telling the already holy that he came for those who weren't quite there yet, right? Seeing the good news and the profane just isn't as great a stretch as we like to think it is because work underway is not a completed project. So here's Peter thinking he's the worst piece of, well, anything ever. And this takes me back to that other profane but gospel-laced thought that came to me during the sermon. It's a popular rock song by Radiohead, and it was actually originally written about some girl the writer didn't think he was good enough to be with. But in my gospel reimagining, I picture Peter meditating on it that Saturday after Jesus dies. Maybe he even sings it to himself. I'll clean up the pronunciation a little bit for you, but you'll get the idea. It says, when you were here before, I couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world. I wish I was special. You're so effing special. But I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't care if it hurts. I want to have control. I want to have a perfect body. I want a perfect soul. I want you to notice when I'm not around. You're so effing special. I wish I was special, but I'm a creep. Oh, you're right, Pete. At this moment, you are a creep, but Jesus is really as special as you think. He's got all the power of heaven under his power, so he denies you too, right? Nope. Once again, he cleans you up. Do you love me, Simon? Take care of my sheep. He puts the shifting sand of the foul-mouthed creep in charge of his whole operation. And then a little while later, Pete, you get that full bath you'd been begging for back in the upper room. You get the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and you lose the creep for good. You actually become pretty effing special. Oh, I know, you're still human and in no way God, but God now lives in you, and and the cleansing works from the inside out, from here forward. Friends, the witness of Jesus cleaning Peter up is something we still talk about today. And so since we're being all intimate and honest today, let me share a little more to close things out. After Justin's teaching, I, I got to thinking about what Jesus was willing to do so that I could be with him so that I could get clean And, and he'll do it again and again so that I don't have to be a creep forever and so I can continue having the stuff wiped out from between my toes and have the stench removed from those hard to reach places you know those those unseen pockets and concealed zones on our bodies and in our souls where we often carry the most dirt whether we mean to or not it can be hard to allow the Holy Spirit to work in the folds of our lives and yet he does can, can you believe that God is willing to get on his hands and knees and clean out the dirt and the dung? Can, can you understand that, that when you are the most undeserving of grace and at your creepiest, he's going to come to you and draw you back? Can you possibly fathom that the Lord will take from you your filth and clean you and take out your garbage to keep you from suffocating on its stench? And then he will fill and refill you with the Holy Spirit who will then set you apart from all of that. Well, my friend, it's real. It's right there in the Bible. It's in Peter, it's in you, it's in me, and it's even in Radiohead. Believe it. Let him wash you. God bless you. This brings us to the end of our time for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us next time as we continue to explore the Word of God and the witness of His people. And again, be sure to check out our webpage, ancientpathministries.org. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ancient Path Ministries. Until next time, we pray God blesses you richly. Go and be the church.